Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au Glad to be in church this morning. Hasn't the worship been amazing? It's just been an amazing time of worship. If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11, two verses, verse uh, 28 to 30. It's a familiar passage of scripture that I pray will speak to all of us here today. It's Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. It's Jesus' words who says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. So, Father, we come before you this morning in Jesus' name. As we open your word, as we dive into your word, I pray that you would speak to all of us today. Father, above all else, we want to honor you. Be glorified. Let there be nothing in me that hinders the delivery of this word. Bind every spirit of fear and intimidation. Let there be freedom to speak and to hear your word today. And I thank you that you will speak into our hearts. Something's going to shift today because your word has been spoken. I thank you that your word is anointed. And I pray that you will speak to each and every one of us. We want to hear a word from you above all else. And this is our prayer and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So I want to speak on this Mother's Day service on the subject, stressed out. Stressed out. (laughs) Get out, stress. Uh, If there's any group of people that experience stress, it's mums. Stresses for mums can come from many sources, lack of alone time, feeling like it all uh, needs to be done, juggling work, life balance, relationship issues, caregiving for children, husbands, uh, feeling like there's not enough time, um, social comparison today with social media, overscheduled demands, and the list goes on and on and on. Research shows us that 80% of all mums feel stressed and 70% of them are sleep deprived. Amen. Is that true, ladies? Is that true? Yeah. Problem of stress, however, is not just a, a problem for mums. Uh, it's a problem for all of us. It's a, it's a problem for this generation that we're living in today. And I wonder if there's anyone here today who's saying, I'm tired. I'm exhausted. Could do with some more sleep. Can't relax. I feel like I'm running too fast. Don't have enough time to do everything I want to do. I'm stressed. And I don't need to convince you that stress is messing up our lives today in a massive way. We are a generation that has everything we could possibly want and need, yet we are the most stressed generation ever. And what stress is producing inside of us is insomnia. It's making us sick. It's the cause of tension and fights. And it's not sustainable. Uh, Stress can be defined as the difference between what we have and what we need. In terms of how we actually define stress, I know the dictionary's got a meaning, but uh, stress is actually defined as the difference between what we have and and what we need. Uh, The greater the difference, the greater the stress we experience in our lives. Uh, If what you have is $100 in your pocket, 
And what you need is $150, you're going to experience some stress. Can I hear no man? Everybody, you with me on this one? If you only have one hour to do three hours work, then you're going to experience stress. If a piece of wood can only handle five kilograms and we start putting more than that on that particular piece of wood, not only will cracks begin to appear, but sooner or later, that piece of wood is actually going to break. And so many of us are breaking because we keep pulling, piling the bricks on. We think it'll never happen to me. I'm strong enough. I'm sure I can handle it. The reality is if we continue to ignore our physical limits, emotional limits, spiritual limits, we will eventually break. And here's the thing. Jesus offers us a better way. Jesus invites us to come to him. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. What a scripture for this generation. If ever, if ever there's a verse that, that is for this generation, I believe it's, it's this one here. It's an invitation from Jesus. And he says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Take my burden upon you. A yoke was something that they put on couple of cows to be able to, you know, plow the land and so on. It was put on their neck. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Doesn't that feel good just to read that scripture? Question is, so how do we deal with the stress in our lives? How do we, how do we deal with the stress in our lives. So what we want actually on a, on a message like this today, what we are looking for is some strategies. Give me some strategies or principles on how I can fit it all in to the time that I've got. Give me some principles on how to reduce stress. And here's the thought. Unless we deal with the deep issues of why we are stressed, unless we, unless we get to the bottom of it, unless we get to the, to the root causes of stress in our generation, all we're going to be doing is rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic. That's all we're going to be doing. Blup, 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 blup. Or to be ripping up a weed without pulling out the roots. You know, I've done, I've done it before. The gun looks immaculate. Oh, sweet, beautiful. No weeds for a week. And then they start reappearing again. So I've got four causes of stress that I want to talk about today. Because as I was thinking, I had a couple of messages I was going to do, but we've, 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 we've brought it down to one. But, but of all the things I want to talk about, we could talk about some strategies, and maybe that's for another message for another time, because I'm, I'm happy to talk about some of that. And there is some, some value in talking about how do we, how do we handle stress. But, but, I, but the, the first thing in my mind that came, that came to me when I, when, I, when I was going to speak on this particular subject, we've got to get to the root cause. We've got to deal with what, What's actually causing so much stress in our generation? And so that's what I want to speak about today. So I want to give you four causes. A couple of these I've spoken about before, but I, I believe they're worth repeating. And, uh, and I just pray that the Holy Spirit is going to speak to all of us today. So would you just take a deep breath? Oh, just breathe out. Breathe in and breathe. Oh, you're feeling calm already. Look at that, you know. <laughs> So what are some of the deeper issues that we need to deal with in relation to dealing with stress? Well, one of the first causes of stress uh, is good old-fashioned idolatry. There you go. That's a good Mother's Day message. <laughs> Let's talk about idolatry. We often think if I had more time, if I had more money, then I would be less stressed. The reality is, 
If we had more time and more money, what would we do? We would spend it and we would fill up that time with more stuff. That's what we would do. I don't know about you, but the more cupboards we have in our house, the more they get filled up with stuff. <laughs> you know, we just need one more room. If we had one more room, we'd fill it up with junk. One more cupboard. And we had to fill it up with more junk. It's, just, it's what we do. If we were less stressed, we would add things in our lives that would stress us even more. Problem of stress is not going to be solved with more time or money. Listen carefully. We need to understand that the problem is first and foremost, it's a spiritual problem. It's a deeper issue. And at the, at the core of, of, of stress is the problem of idolatry. An idol is anything you look to to provide for you what only God can provide. It's a substitute God. What we would normally look to God for, we look to this other thing to provide those same things. Jesus said, you can't serve God and mammon, either you serve one or the other, but you can't serve, serve both. Money presents itself like a God. Pleasure presents itself like a God. Lifestyle, stuff presents itself like a God. It says things like, I can make you feel secure. I can make you happy. I can make you confident. I can solve all your problems. If you just had me or more of me, then all your problems would be solved. That's idolatry. Because the only person that can make us feel secure is God. The only person that can really provide the joy, the deep joy in our hearts and lives is the God that created us. It's the only person that can make us feel secure. And stuff presents itself like a God. If you have me or more of me, then you're going to be really happy. Now, it's really important to understand here, this is, this is not a message against stuff. The problem is not things in our lives, things that we have. It's do we have stuff, whatever you want to call that, or does the stuff have us? Because there's a big difference between those two. Yeah, do we have this or does it have us? Does it have our hearts? Because once it grabs a hold of our hearts, then it becomes an idol in our lives. Two people can own a nice car. For one person, it makes no difference what car. They don't care at all what car they drive. They don't care if it's scratched or not scratched. They're the kind, you know, they're the kind of people that they park it wherever. You know, people... <laughs> when your car is, uh, you know, precious... We used, to, we used to have a, um, anyway, it doesn't matter. Let's not talk about it. Uh, <laughs> when a car is precious, you, you, you be careful where you park it. You know what I'm saying? For one person makes no difference. For another person, their whole identity is wrapped up in, 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 in the car or whatever it is. Chief among the idols that we worship is the idol of self. It's the idol that we look at in the mirror every day. Hello. We're the most egocentric generation that has ever lived. We want it all. We want it now. We want the best. We're, an, we're a generation that's obsessed with, with ourselves. And at the core of this is the fact that we have shifted in our devotion to God. We don't fully trust him. Deep down, we're afraid that if we don't keep running, we're going to miss out on something. We're scared that if we don't keep doing it, keep trying, keep, keep going, at the speed we're going in, we're going to miss out on something. We're going to miss out on that one thing that's finally going to make us happy. That one thing that's finally going to fill that void in our hearts. And the reality is we keep running, but we'll never find it. Because the only person that can fill the void in our hearts is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Because the only person that can fill the deepest longings of our heart is a relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
Paul said, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. It's this desire. I want more. I've got to, I've got to have this because this is going to provide the things that I really need in my life. God says, no, he's the only one that can provide those things in our life. Jesus in warning about the end times said, be careful that you never allow your hearts to grow cold. Remain passionate and free from anxiety and the worries of this life. And, and then you'll not be caught off guard by what happens. Don't let, don't let me come and find you drunk or careless, uh, living like everyone else. Don't live like everyone. As believers, as Christians, we shouldn't be living like everyone else. Lives should be different. We need to get back to believing that serving God is more fulfilling than anything else. We, we, need, we need to get back to believing that the God that we serve is the God that can provide for us everything that we need. That serving God will, be the, will bring the greatest joy in our hearts and lives. He's the one who created us. He's the one who has a plan and a purpose for our life. And when we align our lives with Him, then we'll be able to experience joy and joy unspeakable. That doing life God's way is better, which is why Jesus says to us, he says, listen, stop running at the pace that you're running at. Just come to me. And I will give you rest. Man, I just, it just feels good. Jesus says, just come to me. Let me show you a different way to live. And I'm going to give you rest. Just learn from me. Just watch how I live. How many people have been watching The Chosen? Yep, watching Chosen. Just a great, great program. I mean, it's impeccable. You know, it just shows exactly what Jesus did when Jesus did it, what Jesus would have said. No, it gives us some ideas. about, And you get a sense of Jesus' life. You do get a sense of it. And uh, Jesus says, learn from me. Because I'm gentle and humble in heart. And you're going to find rest for your souls. Man, I want, to, I want to learn this. I want to, when Jesus says, learn from me, I want to learn from Jesus. I want, to, I want that to become a reality in my life because if I'm honest with myself, I'm certainly not experiencing this. Problem of a life filled with stress is first and foremost, a spiritual problem. At the core, the problem is idolatry. We need to get back to worshiping Jesus. We need to, we need to accept Jesus' invitation. Just come to me. And I'll give you rest. Amen. Second reason why we are so stressed is ingratitude. Ingratitude. We never enjoy or appreciate what we do have. We're so blessed. We have so much. But we never actually enjoy what we do have. I remember I was in Burma on a mission. I can't remember if I, remember if I said the story, but it certainly applies here. I remember I was, in, I was in Burma on a missions trip, and we were, in, we were in a house. It was kind of like a hut with Pastor Joseph. And I remember looking out the window, which was a hole in the wall, by the way. It wasn't actually a window made out of glass. And I remember looking outside the window and I saw these two men talking. And these two men looked like average 40-year-olds on a street corner just having a chat uh, about whatever. Um, and as I looked at these guys and kind of just was kind of observing, I thought, well, these guys could easily be two guys standing on a street corner here in Adelaide somewhere, just having a chat, you know, maybe going for a walk, they stop and they talk. If you could have transported them here in Adelaide, they would have been exactly the same thing. Except for these two guys, the two guys in Burma, 
They won't have access to adequate health care or dental care. They won't have access to an education. It's not like they'll be able to say, well, when I finish school, I might go to university and, and you know, uh, higher education and so on and so on. Many will not own a car. Um, many will never go on an overseas trip. Oh, gee, it'd be nice to visit another country. Forget that. They will, the majority of them will earn $1 a day. And if they've earned that $1 for the day, they've had a good day. And their greatest stress... <laughs> is food on the table. And as I reflected on this, because I've, I've reflected on this again and again and again, I remember seeing this lady and she was, uh, there was a running tap and she had this kind of a bowl and she was washing dishes there on the side. There was a, there was a canal with water running through there and I thought, she just looked like an average lady. And here she was outside washing these dishes. And I've reflected on that again and again and again in my life. And as, I, and as I thought about all of that, I thought, well, what is wrong with us? What is wrong with us? What is our problem? What is our problem? And by the way, a good portion of the world's population live just like that. And here we are. What shall I wear today? Oh, no, this one doesn't look good. Let me wear the other one. I'll tell you what our problem is. This is a tough Mother's Day message, I'm just realising. <laughs> I think it's going to get better, all right? I think it's going to get better, so hang in there, all right? I'm helping someone. Anybody helping me help you a little bit? Come on, help me out here. Come on. <laughs> it's more a Father's Day message, you know what I mean? But, you know. <laughs> I'll tell you what our problem is. It's ingratitude. We're never happy with what we have. We only see what everyone else has. We never appreciate what we actually do have. And we don't enjoy what God has given us. Robert Hughes wrote a book called The Culture of Complaint. He says, we live in a society where people perceive themselves to be entitled to have all their desires fulfilled and fulfilled right now. And when that doesn't happen, they view themselves as victims. We live in a culture of complaint, he says. And it has formed and shaped our minds and hearts. And if we slip into that mode, that pattern of thought, we run the risk of spending our lives waiting for some circumstance, something or someone to come along and give us a good enough reason to be truly grateful. Ingratitude is a serious issue. And if we don't deal with it, it will kill our joy. Because we'll always be looking at what everyone else has got and what we don't have. We're always scrolling through that phone and watching how everybody else is living their photoshopped life and thinking, gee, I'm not at that level. And we never enjoy what we do have. It'll rob us of life. It'll shrink our spirit. We need to learn to cultivate an attitude of gratitude by His grace and for His glory. David says, praise the Lord, all my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, all my soul. And what? Forget not all his benefits. Why does the psalmist David say? Because we forget all of his benefits. We start taking for granted the life that we live and the things that we have and the blessings upon our lives. For goodness sake, we've got so much. We're so blessed. See, real joy is not dependent on what you have or don't have. Real joy is an attitude of the heart that comes from having a grateful and thankful spirit. David says, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. doesn't say yesterday or tomorrow. He talks about today. We, we, we are either living in the past. Oh, things used to be amazing back there. Or one day things might be good. And, so, and in so doing, we never enjoy today. 
We never enjoyed the present. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Let us be thankful and grateful to God for what he has given us today. Too many of us are waiting for something to change and then we'll be grateful. We need to open our eyes. We need to pray, Lord, just open my eyes so that I can see what you've given me. And if we do, if we start to actually start to see what's, what's around us, I believe our, our stress levels will, be, will begin to decrease because we'll stop striving for those things that we think are finally going to provide the joy in our lives. Third reason why we're so stressed is brokenness. And by broken, what I mean is there are internal drives mindsets, unconscious beliefs that seem to push us to want more, do more, be more. It's these internal drives inside of us that, are, that just push us continuously to want more, do more, be more. And these internal drives push us beyond our physical limits. When our body is saying, oh, I think we need to rest right now, these, these drives in deep inside of us, they push us beyond our physical limits. They push us beyond our emotional, our spiritual limits, relational limits. And as a result, we're stressed. And can eventually, and if we keep going, we burn out. Best example of this is a car. A car needs some very basic things to function, petrol, water, oil. When a car starts to run low on oil, a red light will begin to flash on your dashboard. It's a warning sign. It's saying, we've got a problem under the bonnet that we need to deal with. We're running low on oil. Everything is okay right now, but you've got to address this. And if you ignore, put something over that red light, if you ignore it, you deal with it, don't you? I mean, I can't see the red, can you see the red light? I can't see the red light. It's not there. But if you ignore the red light, your car will continue to run for quite a while. In fact, you can even accelerate and it will go even faster. But at some point, you're going to start to see smoke coming out of the bonnet. The car will, turn, will burn out because the oil ran out a long time ago. Some people ignore the red light of stress to their own detriment. I remember... Working with this guy one time, doesn't come to church, okay, so um, I was doing psychology. Anyway, uh, and this guy was, he was filled with passion, intensity, drive, like, you know, this, one of those driven guys, you know. And as we were talking, I said, oh, I've got a bit of a concern about you. We talked for quite a number of times because it sounded, sounded good. It sounded like this guy, drive. Uh, and, but as we were talking, the more and more I talked, the more I, I thought, this is a problem. So I said to him, Look, I just feel like you're going too fast. I know you're passionate. I know you want to serve God, Christian, the purposes of God, but I just feel like there's something else driving you. It's not your gifts. It's not your, your passion. It's not your personality. Yes, all of those things kind of drive us a bit, but I just feel like on top of all of those things, there's something else pushing you, driving you to go faster, and it's not healthy and it's not sustainable. Well, he ignored everything I said to his own detriment. The thing about me is I can see really clearly 
others' issues. Anybody like me? Come on. It's so clear. I can just see it so clear. Come and see me. I can tell you your problems and how to solve them. What I have a little, little bit of trouble about is seeing it in myself. I have a treadmill at home and a few times a week I try and jog for about 4K. Um, someone said it was good for you, so I put it on my list. Once it's on my list, it gets done. And um, I jog for about 4Ks. Now, with a treadmill, those of you that are treadmill, anybody on a treadmill, you got a treadmill? Some people have just bought the treadmill hoping that it's going to somehow suck up all the, <laughs> the calories, you know? It's going to be a calorie magnet. No, you actually have to get on there. And uh, anyway, the treadmill, you can go 6Ks an hour, 8, 10, 12, 14. You can choose. Um, 6Ks is a walk. It's a nice walk. It's brisk. Um, 8Ks an hour is a little bit faster. It's a nice slow jog. It's quite nice. 10Ks a bit faster, 12K, 14K. And I notice with myself, I'm forever pushing myself to go faster, 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 faster. And a few times I've asked myself the question, why do you have to go so fast? I mean, how fast is fast enough going to be? What is it, when you're going 60 kilometres an hour, then you're going to say, oh, I've arrived. Is that, is that what it's going to be? It's pushing. 10K, no, 12, 14K, 16K. Got to, got to go faster and faster. Who are you trying to beat? Who are you running against? What are you going to do? Oh, instead of going uh, uh, 10Ks, I went 12Ks an hour. And I saved two minutes. Two minutes. Amazing. And what effect has it had on my body? The reality is many times there's something else driving us. Something else that pushes us beyond our limits. It's beyond our physical, our emotional limits. It's beyond our spiritual limits because God never called us to go that fast. He's saying, who's telling you to go that fast? I haven't called you to go that fast. The reality is many times what drives us is something else. And there are times where we need to stop and reflect and say, well, what is it that's really driving me? Because it certainly isn't the money. I don't need the money. I don't need to work this hard. In fact, I could probably retire. I don't need to work this hard. What is driving me? And at times it's a need for affirmation, a need to excel, to be liked, to prove to someone that I can do it. At the core of some stress is a wound that needs to be healed. And faster is just not going to do it. David said in Psalm 23, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I've decided he's going to be my shepherd. I'm the sheep. He's going to be. I've decided to allow him to be my shepherd. And listen to what he does. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters and he restores my soul. He restores my soul. Here's the thing about brokenness. We're all broken. It's just a question of degree. Aren't you glad you came to church this morning? Just look at the person next to you. Don't say nothing. Just say... It's never about the brokenness. It's always about what we do with it and our honesty about it. 
And the greatest thing that we can do is just bring it to the Lord and allow him to just gently restore our soul, our mind, our emotions, our will to restore our will. One final reason why we're stressed uh, is we violate the Sabbath. Most of us know the Ten Commandments, and the Fourth Commandment is to honor the Sabbath. Interestingly, the Fourth Commandment is the longest. It says, observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your ox, your donkey, or any other animals, dogs, cats, nor any foreigner residing in your towns so that your male and female servants may rest as you do. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of here with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. Sabbath was ordained by God as a day that was to be holy, which means it was to be set apart. It was a day of worship, a day to connect with God, to celebrate, to rest. And out of all the commandments, the one that we seem to break the most is in fact this one here. We would never imagine saying, stealing, I know the Ten Commandments say that, but a little bit is okay. You know, I just steal a little bit. Flirting, oh, a little bit's okay. Yet we continuously rob from the Sabbath and flirt with the Sabbath. We break the Sabbath. Today we carry our work on our phones, which just means we can be working 24-7. Ba-ting! Our brains now have been, you know... Uh, whatever they have, wired up. As soon as the phone goes pating, I've got to go and check the message. And in so doing, we violate the fourth commandment. Some people say, well, Pastor Joe, the Sabbath is Old Testament. We're in the New Testament now. It doesn't really apply. Well, we know that Jesus, the Bible says that Jesus didn't come to abolish the law, but he came to fulfill it. So what does it mean to honor the Sabbath in our generation? What does it mean to honor the Sabbath today? Well, there are two basic aspects to it. One is the physical time off where we rest from work, it's when we connect with God, celebrate, we do things that we enjoy. The Bible says, some people say, well, the the Sabbath was instituted with the Ten Commandments. No, it wasn't. It was instituted in in Genesis chapter 1. The Bible says God worked six days and he rested the seventh. He could have worked nine and and rested the tenth. He could have worked 19 and rested the twentieth. The Bible doesn't say that. He worked six days and then on the seventh he rested. As, a, as an example for you and for me. Our, interestingly, our Sabbath, which is the Sunday, and the reason why we, we, we gather on the Sunday is because in the New Testament, Jesus rose on the first day of the week, which is kind of, in the New Testament, our Sabbath has become the Sunday. It's interesting because up until 20, 30 years ago, shops were closed on a Sunday. Anybody remember that? Society acknowledged there was something different about the Sunday. There was something sacred about the Sunday and therefore no one worked. And now that society is becoming more and more secular, Sunday has just become like any other day. Which doesn't concern me as much as the fact that that in the church, we're losing the understanding of the sacredness of the Sabbath. We're, under, we're, we're losing our understanding of the spirit behind the Sabbath. Why did God say what, this Sabbath must be kept holy, set apart? And I understand some people have to work. So this is, I don't want anyone walking out of here saying, you know, whatever. But what is concerning me is that we're losing the spirit of the Sabbath. 
Now we have activities on Sunday. We have sport on Sunday. Let's try and fit church into our busy schedule instead of the other way around. We're slowly, gradually shifting ancient boundary stones set up by God to protect us from things like stress. In a world where our children are being exposed to garbage, what's going to protect them? Let me tell you, you know, people say, how do I handle what's happening in the world today? Let me tell you what's going to protect our children more than anything else. Number one, it's the love for God. From an early age, we institute a, 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 a train up a child in the way they should go. They'll never depart from it. From an early age, we speak to them about God. We tell them to, to pray to God, that God is the source of their strength, that he's going to answer their prayers. We teach them a love for the word of God. We don't just speak the word of God. We read the Bible stories. We bring them to Sunday school. And, and we ourselves as parents open up the word and read the word of God. Teach them a love for worship. We teach them a love for the house of God. We, t- we teach them a love. What's going to protect our children from all the stuff that's going on in the world today? It's a love for the house of God. Love the house of God. Because if nothing else, if you don't do anything else during the week on a Sunday morning, you're going to get worship, you're going to get prayer, you're going to hear some, something from the word of God. Something about the house of God. And yet we, we, we're kind of jamming everything into the week. We need to honor the Sabbath. We need to honor the Spirit. There's something about the day that needs to be honored. It's holy. It's to be set apart. As I said, there's two aspects to the Sabbath. One is honoring one day of the week. There's a deeper aspect to the Sabbath. Hebrews says, There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. Chip Judd says, The Sabbath is an intentional and regular reorientation of ourselves to God's reality, to the principles of God's word, to God's culture and God's kingdom. Because we live in the world, we can so easily lose sight of the fact that there's another reality we live in. We live in, in, in a natural reality, but we also live in a spiritual reality. And we can get so caught up in the here and now that we forget about eternity. God was saying to the people of Israel, once a week, you need to stop. Once a week, you need to stop doing everything that you're doing. You need to stop. Don't work. Don't answer emails. Connect with God. Reorient your life to kingdom purpose. You're living in the natural six days a week. One day a week, you've got to stop and reorient yourself to kingdom purpose. Bible says, so we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary. What is unseen is internal. We need to fix our eyes because our eyes can so easily get caught up in what's happening in the here and now in the natural world. Sabbath is more than just a day off. The Sabbath is a mindset. It's a lifestyle. It's a posture of the heart where we no longer strive in life. It's a, it's a reorientation to God's reality. It's a reorientation to the principles of God's word. The Sabbath is a way of, of reorienting our lives to God's perspective. We work from love, not for love. Some people think they have to, they have to earn God's love. No, that's, that's not the Bible at all. Uh, and, 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 a, and a reflection of, of the Sabbath is, is about saying, no, I work from love, not for love. We work from acceptance, not, from ex- not for acceptance. Let me try and make this a little bit more practical. When a person goes into an emergency ward, they may ask a few questions. Who are you? Where are you? And why are you here? 
And people talk about Sabbath rhythms as a great book that I thoroughly recommend. And there's some Bible studies some of the life groups are doing. Peter Scazzaro's book called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. Thoroughly recommend the book. And he has a whole chapter there on, on what the Sabbath represents. He talks about Sabbath rhythms and, and where daily for a few minutes, weekly, maybe spend a bit more time once a week, quarterly, maybe a, a bit longer again and then annually. It's where we stop and ask ourselves the big questions. Who am I? Where am I? And why am I here? And in so doing, we, we reconnect with God. In so doing, we, we, we reconnect with our kingdom purpose. In so doing, we, we, we move out of the natural realm and connect with the spiritual realm, which is who we really are. And that's the spirit of the Sabbath. And that still applies to us today. I often thought this question here, and I know it's a hypothetical question, and, but just, just let, let, let the question just kind of sink in a little bit. What would, what would you do if you could retire tomorrow? Pastor Joe got to work. Okay, what would you do if you didn't have to work? What would you do if you could retire? What would you do with your life? What would we do with our life? Most of us would never have a clue because we're so busy. Instead, if we started to practice the Sabbath, started to connect with the God that created us, the God that knit us together in our mother's womb, the God who said, well, who knows that you have not been called for such a time as this? Now, it may very well be that, we'll, that, that as we connect with God, you know, we'll be working exactly where we're working, doing what we're doing. But even in that case, we'll do it with a completely different mindset. It's kingdom mindset instead of natural mindset. God will begin to speak to us about what he wants to do with our lives. And isn't, isn't that what Jesus meant when he said, just come to me? Or you who are weary and burdened, I'll give you rest. Isn't that what he meant when he said, take my yoke upon you? In other words, take upon you my will for your life and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest. What did Jesus do? I tell you what Jesus did. Every single day he would go off to a solitary place and he would reconnect with God. He didn't say, I've come to change the world. He said, I've come to do my Father's will. So many of us, want to change the world when God hasn't called us to do that. And one of the reasons why we experience stress, I'm speaking to myself here, by the way. One of the reasons why we experience stress is because we're doing things God has never called us to do. We need to reorient it. The Sabbath is a way of reorienting towards kingdom purpose. I don't want to get to the other side of eternity. And God says, you were going so fast. Who asked you to do all of that? I had this in store for you. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I, for I am gentle and humble and you will find rest for your souls. Robert Morris tells a story about a man in Japan they called Mr. A. He had worked for several years at a major Japanese snack food processing company, often putting in as many as 110 hours a week. To work 110 hours a week, he had to work nearly 16 hours per day, seven days a week. He did that week after week, year after year. They found Mr. A dead at his workstation, a victim of a heart attack. He was 34. In Japan, they created a new word to describe this phenomenon. They called it Karoshi, 
people dropping dead because of working insane hours under intense pressure with no rest. In Australia, they call it karashi. Crash. Crashy. Crash. Stay with me. Stress, it's an epidemic in our culture. And it's just going to get worse. Chat GBT is just going to make it all worse. <laughs> With our obsession to go faster, do more, have more now. Not miss out on anything. There's only one outcome that's going to happen. And that is Karashi. <laughs> the reality is this. It's too much. And we just can't have it all. And we just can't do it all. It's too much. And we just can't have it all. Don't believe the ads that say you need this. You need it now. Don't believe them. We, we just can't have it all. And we just can't do it all. Jesus invites us to do life another way. He says, just come to me. And I'll give you rest. And as we spend more time with Jesus, as we get to know God more, learn to hear his voice, as we align our lives with his principles, something is going to start to shift in our hearts. Peace will start to return. Some, suddenly we're going to have more time to serve, more time for money, more time for family, more time for friends. Our purpose will become clearer. Stress will decrease. And we will experience something called life and life in abundance that Jesus came to bring. Can I hear an amen? Is that okay this morning? I imagined it to be completely different when I, when I wrote it, but, but, I, 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 but it's, it's spoken to me and I pray it will speak to all of us. Will you stand with me? I believe the speed that we are living at is a, is a scheme of the enemy to stop us from being the people that God has called us to be. It's a strategy of the enemy to stop us from living the life that God has called us to live, to get so caught up in the here and now that we miss God's best for our lives. If you're a guest here today, I want you to know that God loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He created you for such a time as this. You're not an accident. You're not the product of some cosmic bang. You were created by God. He knit you together in, in your mother's womb. Even before you were conceived, he had a plan and a purpose for your life. And if you would just take the invitation that Jesus gives to all of us, those purposes can become a reality in your life. By his grace and for his glory. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Maybe just as we're standing here, why don't we just be grateful? Just give thanks. It's Mother's Day. Let's be grateful for our mums. In the name of Jesus. Let's be grateful for the great things that God has done in our lives. Let's be grateful for his many blessings. 
in Jesus' name. It's the kind of message today that you need to go away and just reflect on for a bit and just process, discuss. Maybe spouses today, you know, maybe during the week make some time, you know, reflect on what are some of the changes? What do I need to do with, with this? And allow God to speak to you through that. So, Father, I just thank you for your word. I thank you for the incredible invitation. Forgive us, Lord God, for so often running ahead of you, trying to do things that not even you have ordained to be done. Help us, Lord, to honour the Sabbath. Help us, Lord, to come to you, Lord God, and learn to hear the small, still voice of the Spirit that speaks to our hearts, that says, this is the way, walk ye in it. We want to honour you with our life above all else. Father, as we go away and process this message, Father, if there's things that need to change, would you speak to us, Lord God, I pray, because above all else, we want to glorify you. We bind every strategy of the enemy, every temptation of the enemy to keep on running, to try to do it all, be it all, to try to, try to do things you've never called us to do. Forgive us, Lord God. We bind every strategy of the enemy, Lord God. Release us to be who you've called us to be, I pray. And we ask it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen and amen. Amen.